0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 47 from Delving Into Islam podcast. This is Wa'il, your host, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that I'm able to take all your questions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions, please email me at islam at gmail.com Again, delving into Islam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And with that being said, uh, let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is very simple. What was the world? What was the world before Islam? What was the world before Islam? We know that, you know, uh, okay, we get it. Uh, Islam is the final religion, we get that. But how was the world like before Islam? You know, we we need to know, uh, how did people act? Uh, Was there any prayer? Did anybody fast Ramadan? How was it like, you know? So, to answer that question, uh, we need to have, uh, we'll talk about two locations here. To answer that question, we, we we will talk about two locations here. The first location is outside of the Arab Peninsula, outside of the Arab lands, basically. And the second location that we will need to discuss, it's really important because Islam shows up there, begins there, is the Arab Peninsula itself, or the Arab lands, right? Now, outside of the Arab Peninsula, we have like Rome, for example. They were upon Christianity. Rome were upon Christianity. So they were all Christians. You know, uh, the overwhelming uh, majority of Romans, they were Christians. And so we have... the. Two biggest empires, two greatest empires outside of the Arab Peninsula was Rome and Persia. So these were the two world powers, if you want to say, Rome and Persia, right? So Rome, like we said, upon Christianity, and Persia, they basically were uh, Zoroastrians, meaning they were worshiping uh, fires. And it's technically a type of paganism as well, because they worship, you know, there is no God, there is no entity of God, and it's just an object, which is, they call it the eternal fire or whatever, right? Now, what type of uh, uh, of Christianity uh, Rome was upon? Because we have two major, two major. I, I think there was a third, uh, third type, but it was not that. Just we have the two major types of Christianity that you know the Romans were upon. We had the Jew, uh, the Jewish Christians, and we had the Pauline Christians. Again, we had the Jewish Christians and we had the Pauline Christians, right? So basically, the Jewish Christians they believe that you know they they they, they have to follow the laws of Moses, and you know, uh, the, and that Moses was a messenger of God, and you know, God existed. There was an actual entity which is you know um, sent Moses uh, as a prophet to them, and they basically they were you know uh, the Jews following. Uh, moses and they did stuff according to the laws of moses like for example eating kosher uh, not eating pork you know circumcision and and, and praying certain times a day and all these things that moses gave to his people they were following it so basically it's, it was like islam and that was a true religion at that time right because the islam again we're talking about before, guys this is before islam so this was actually the right way to worship allah right the Jewish Christians. Now uh, they also believe that Jesus Christ was sent to the Jews, exactly like the Muslims believe, right? Now we have, and they believed in Jesus Christ, of course. After, after you know, but we're talking about the laws of Moses. Now the Pauline Christians, they believe that Jesus Christ, came, Jesus Christ came to abolish the laws of Moses. So now we have a huge contradiction between the two sects of Christianity. One believes that Moses, Jesus came to affirm the laws of Moses, and this is what Muslims 100% believe. And the Pauline Christians, they believe that, you know, Jesus Christ came to just end the laws of Moses. Uh, anything that, you know, so basically they don't have to eat kosher, they don't have to eat based on the sharia of Allah, they don't, they can eat pork, uh, they don't have to circumcise, you know, they, no circumcision uh, is required, and you know, a lot more stuff that logically doesn't make sense. And I'll explain to you uh, so it doesn't make sense because why would Allah send one messenger with one message with one with, with a certain sets with certain sets of laws and then sends the messenger right after to abolish those laws to say, you know what, that what Allah sent you before, just cancel that. Now, it's okay for Allah to modify the law to fit a certain era or a certain time, right? But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sending Jesus, and this is what Pauline uh, the Pauline Christians believe in, to sending Jesus to say, uh, "Whatever Moses taught you is 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 not anymore." Uh, you don't have to eat pork you don't have to you have to you, you can eat pork, you don't have to eat kosher, you don't have to circumcise. it just doesn't make sense because basically Allah contradict this is Allah contradicting himself and Allah never contradicts himself. that does not make any sense. So to me logically logically that doesn't make any sense right And of course you know the, because of that now because of it's everything is possible now. You know, we're not held accountable for anything, uh, no laws anymore to be followed. So uh, certain things came out of it, like, for example, the the concept of Trinity. Well, it started emerging from the Pauline Christianity, right? Now, a little bit of a history about, you know, how did the Pauline Christianity uh, spread in the first place? Well, the Romans used to kill Christians like... Christians were, again, Romans were pagans before the Romans became Christian. Uh, They were around like 3-4% of the Romans, the Christians at the time. And they literally used to put them on fire and use them to light up the city. Literally like human torches. No pun intended from Fantastic Four, if you guys know what I mean. But like, uh, you know, they used to use christians the jewish christians those who are upon the true christianity to light up the city at night like that was brutal until something happened which is basically the emperor constantine at the time converted to christianity and that changed the game like 180 degrees now imagine that you have donald trump announcing to the world that he's becoming a muslim people will lose their minds right people will lose their minds. So it's the same thing. The emperor who used to, you know, fight Christianity, you know, they used to his soldiers used to torture Christians based on, you know, take pay his own commands, he became a Christian himself. Now, he gathered all the Christians because again we have, you know, the two sects of Christianity to decide which Christianity should become the official religion. Now, Constantine was you know, a pagan to begin with, right? So he added some elements of paganism in this new modified religion. So he took, he looked at both religions, he he looked at both sects, and he decided that the Pauline was the closer to paganism because of the Trinity worshipping, you know, three things and whatever. Like, for example, the Trinity, the whole Trinity concept comes from paganism. And that was a little bit of a tweak that he made. He's like, you know what? That makes sense. You know what? If we add, you know, that we could worship something else. And another divine, you know, which is uh, a God split into three. And we you know the whole story of the Trinity. The son of God. The concept of, you know, uh, a child who is half human, half God, right? The demigods, what they call them, you know. Again, for those who you who know like the, you know, Percy Jackson and all all these stories, you know, uh, Zeus and and, 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 and Poseidon, all these gods, this all came from this. The idea of the son of God. Okay, that makes sense. The halo, you know, when you see angels uh, and little, they're, they're like little babies or little kids and they have halo. That all came from paganism, whatever that sect of paganism that Constantine himself was, you know, following. Then in uh, 325 CE, you know, in the city of Nicaea, we, th- th- this is like the city of Nicaea, like this is a very famous, you know, the Council of Nicaea. The emperor held a council called the Council of Nicaea, like we said, and then declared that, and this is a, a big moment in history, that the official Christianity or the official Christian religion is the Pauline Christianity with some modified things from paganism, like he added, and then the Roman Empire banished the Jewish Christians. they were no more. They were no more. That's it. Done. B- because again, you, you, he did not want to have any opposing uh, Christians. It's going to create a you know a division in the house of the emperor. And he did not want that to happen. Now, that was uh, on the outside of... And, and again, the Persia, it's pretty simple. They used to worship fire and whatever. So they were basically pagans. Now, this is the world outside of the Arab Peninsula. Inside the Air Peninsula, paganism was the predominant belief in the Air Peninsula. It was paganism, worshiping idols, worshiping idols. You know, and we know the story that actually paganism started in the time of Noah. Then people started worshiping. You know, we—I don't know if you guys know, but I'm going to give you like a quick, um, a quick um, uh, story about you know uh, um, the 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 how. The paganism started in the time of noah there were those five uh righteous icons in in in, in you know during the nation or, or the people of noah uh, these five uh, righteous people they were really righteous they were following god they were worshiping god alone and no one else and then they passed away I mean, they passed in different times, whatever, but they eventually all, you know, out of old age or whatever, they all died. People loved them so much that they were missing them so much. So they started, you know, remembering them. They started to draw them. And then after drawing, sculpture started to become, you know, a thing. And then they started, you know, trying to sculpt their faces and whatever. And then they would sit down and, you know, complain to them about their days and whatever. Again, it's out of extreme love. And that's what extreme love does to, you know, to a human being then like i said generation after generation started forgetting who allah was and they started looking at this because think about it when your child when your little child see you sees you looking at uh, a statue and complaining to it that statue becomes a big deal in this child's life you die this child worship uh, appreciates the statue even more and then their child will think you know that oh, These are a big deal now And the whole concept of worshipping idols Came from passing one generation to another For these five righteous people Who were righteous Which is ironic in the first place So only worshipped God Then you know the, the Ark of Noah came People died in the flood and whatever And then Prophet Abraham Ibrahim, alayhi He was preaching monotheism In the Arab Peninsula you know and just a little you know quick note here do uh, you know that the prophet muhammad is actually from the descendant of Pro- prophet abraham or ibrahim he is literally from the descendant of ishmael or isma'il his his uh, prophet abraham's son prophet muhammad is actually from that descendant right from that descent so uh, Prophet Ibrahim, we know that Prophet Ibrahim and Prophet Ismail, they only were uh, p- preached monotheism, and people were upon monotheism because of them. Right? Great. Like, for example, and and we have these 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 things. Like, for example, Prophet Ibrahim, and I don't know, maybe a lot of Muslims don't know this, but there were some traditions that were instituted by Prophet Ibrahim. For example, Mecca being the haram. You know, Mecca being the haram. What does haram mean? Haram comes from the word haram, which meaning that some of the halal things, haram and halal, they're opposite. Haram is something that's forbidden. Halal is something that's allowed. So haram, in the word haram around Mecca, around the Kaaba that you guys see in Saudi Arabia, it's called the haram. The place around it, all of Mecca, around the Kaaba, is called the haram. And the word haram came from that certain halal things, certain allowed things, or certain things that are permissible outside of the haram are not permissible within the haram. Like, for example, hunting animals. Hunting animals, as long as you don't kill the animal before slaughtering them, is halal, 100%. Plucking trees is halal, you know. But you can't do this within the area of the haram, area of the Kaaba. It's a sacred place that Allah... You know, someone could commit a crime and go inside the haram and they cannot be touched or even harmed until they leave the haram. That's one of the things. You literally could be a, a criminal. Run into the haram. Whatever the crime is, you cannot be harmed by the government, by anybody, until you leave the haram. When you leave the haram, you will be dealt with. So he introduced the concept of... the Mecca is now... The Haram being the Haram, the four sacred months in 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 uh, in, in Islam, right in in uh, Islamic calendar: Dhul qadah Dhul hijjah and Muharram, and Rajab. The four sacred months, where no one can fight, no one can engage in any type of warfare. That's the sacred months. That's why, if you, if there is war going on, comes. The, we're talking about it in, in this spot, right? Uh, in this in this part of the world. Everyone should cease fight No war for until the four months are passing. Right? Sacrificing an animal during Eid al-Adha, the, the big Eid. We know the story of Abraham and his son. And you know, he was supposed to sacrifice his son. But then Allah sent a lamb. That is a true story coming from Islam as well. Hajj, the whole pilgrimage, the whole uh, pilgrimage came from Prophet instituted. It first came from Allah, but it was instituted by Prophet Abraham alayhi uh, salam. Now, many non-Muslims, you know, uh, they, they, again, they think that these these rituals are pagans rituals, but actually they're not. They were rituals that were uh, uh, instituted by Prophet Ibrahim and then the pagans. Years, years after the death of the Prophet Ibrahim, pagans, people, the Arabs there, they were, you know, it became part of the culture. It's that simple, right? Now... The Arabs, after the time of Prophet Ibrahim and his son, they kept worshipping Allah until, you know, around like 500 years. Before the time of Prophet Muhammad. So 500 years before the arriving of Prophet Muhammad they used to worship Allah. Monotheism, monotheism, monotheism. Until someone who is unfortunately well-respected and loved by most people in the Arab lands. By the name of Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzai. Amr Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzai, that's the name of that well-respected man. He actually single-handedly did the transformation from monotheism to paganism. He changed the religion of monotheism into paganism. And he also some, you know, he inserted some like weird superstitions and, you know, into, you know, the new made up religion that he created. Now, how did that happen? Like, how come one man was able to change the religion from monotheism to paganism? Well, he traveled to Syria to visit uh, the people of, you know, this ancient civilization at the time was called the Amalekites, the giants, basically. And it was a very powerful powerful uh, civilization it was a very very powerful they were undefeated they were extremely powerful in every way possible you know uh, in terms of economically strategically you know army wise and whatever you know politically they were very powerful it was a very powerful civilization so he went there and then um when he arrived he found that they were worshiping idols so he asked them he was like um so what about those idols What, what are you guys doing exactly and they basically said that their idols are their gods uh, and they are always there for them when they need anything. And they pray to them when they want to go to war. They pray to them when they, you know, are harvesting, they pray to them when they do whatever, and it works. Now, if it happens that they win war, like they go to war, and again, they had a powerful army anyway. So when they win a war, they would always attribute it to that idol, that God that they're worshiping. Right. So this guy, Amr Amr Abram he started becoming very intrigued. He's like, oh, that's interesting. My people are upon, uh, you know, worshipping a God that they can't see. So that's interesting. That could be good for economy. You know, when I introduce something new. And that's unfortunately the view of a lot of politicians. Some are good, some happens in a very bad way and and have a bad outcome. But anyway, so uh, he asked them if they can, you know, give him one of the idols as a gift. You know, he's like, can you give me one of these idols? And they gave him the famous or the infamous idol by the name of Hubal. And uh, those, uh, you know, those who grew up Muslims know that name very well, because that's the main, the first and the main idol in the Arab Peninsula. That was the king of the gods, basically, in the Arab Peninsula. Now, Amr, Amr ibn al Amr brought back Hubal into Mecca and put it in front of the Kaaba and started convincing people to pray. And he's like, Oh, I witnessed the Amalekites. And you know how, how they are like, have a very advanced civilization. So if we do the same, we're going to be an indestructible civilization. We're going to, you know, conquer the world and whatever. And people's greed and ignorance started to kick in. And they started following Amr into believing that these idols were. To be worshipped And they have some sort of a connection with God You know Like they are basically the mini-gods That through them They could reach to the higher power Because they believed in Allah by the way They knew that Allah existed But they thought Allah has little helpers Astaghfirullah Partners Remember we said that That's the concept of shirk His partners were those little idols that when you pray to them and you do sacrificing to them, they basically uh, get the message to Allah and hence the message will be uh, accepted right away or heard at least right away. Now, that shows you the danger of having a very powerful human being in uh, the position of authority, in a position of power. You know? It's very dangerous. He was loved. He was in a very high status. He was easily believed. And that also tells you that not every advanced civilization or every advanced nation is a good nation. Right? They did not worship God. And that doesn't mean anything. Allah will let them thrive and advance because life is not the standard. Advancement and being, you know, uh, one of the first world countries is not an indication that god loves you it's simply a test whether you fail or not it's on you now what happened is when people started actually following these idols and worshiping them they actually cho- called they changed the, and and by the way the prophet says that uh, uh, in a hadith that Amr uh, ibn ibn luhai has one of the worst all oh, punishments in 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 uh, in hellfire he saw it in the future of course he saw a vision of what happens to him basically and i know it's a, i'm sorry it's going to be a little bit graphic but he will be dragging his own intestines in hellfire because of what he did knowing the truth he just wanted you know some spice i guess into the religion he got it but he also got what was coming for him by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway now they actually called the, tawa- the change the calling of the tawaf So Muslims, when they run around the Kaaba now, they say la baik la baik na I know this is all Arabic gibberish for a lot of people. So let me explain to you. When Muslims do the Hajj, the pilgrimage that you see probably on TV or you even can see it on YouTube, and we run around the Kaaba, you know the big black box, what we call the house of Allah on Earth, right? It's actually Allah doesn't live there. Just you know. Uh, a little bit of uh, information because there's a big misconception here. It's just a symbol. It's a piece of rock, basically. That's a square rock that it symbolizes, you know, the house of Allah. Because right on top of it in the seventh heaven is the actual, uh, is an actual house called al-bayt al-ma'mur. Again, Allah does not live in a house. Allah sits on the throne. And we, inshallah, we'll get to, get to that in the future. But my point is, it is significant in the sight of Allah, yet Allah doesn't exist in it. Just to let you know Because when people hear the word The house of Allah They believe that Allah always oh, sits there That's very inaccurate and very false Now So when Muslims run around the Kaaba and, and, and you know walk around it They say in, they, they, they do the calling of Hajj Allah called people for Hajj He asked them to come and do pilgrimage Right So they're saying labaik labaik in Arabic means Oh Allah we're answering your call Oh Allah we're answering your call to Hajj We're coming to you Again, we're answering you, Allah. La sharik Oh Allah, we're answering you. You are the one with no partners. La sharik means and it's if you notice, la means no in Arabic. Sharik means a partner. You have no partners, Allah. We know that we, we affirm that you have no partners. But after Amr ibn al changed the game, after he brought in those idols. Muslims oh not Muslims now, Arabs started changing that because that enchanting that, that calling came from Abraham. Alhamdulillah, we say it the right way now. It's back to the right way after you know uh Prophet Muhammad sallallahu But Abraham used to say the same thing, you know. Now they changed what Abraham used to say. That they changed the way of Abraham to the calling of 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 the Hajj to this. They said La La except Except, so they're saying, oh we affirm that you have no partners except for those, except for a partner that belongs to you Except for a partner that belongs to you and everything they own also belongs to you So basically they made an exception Now we say, again, in the current times when we're doing Hajj, we say there's no partners to you Allah At the time when they introduced these idols, they say what? We affirm you have no partners except for those who you choose to be your partners. Do you see that, the little trick that they did? So they did a modification of uh, in the calling of Hajj that Ibrahim told people about. So they added their own little, you know, uh, little modification, their own little script there to make it okay to worship idols. And they started saying this. So basically, they said, Oh, we believe that you have no partners, Allah, except for those that you choose to be your partners. Now, Here comes a very philosophical question, and a very important question. What helped the spread of paganism in the Arab Peninsula? Now, what I'm about to tell you is something that we really relate to in today's world, just to let you know. What helped is the inferiority complex towards the Amalekites. That's number one. When you look at a more advanced civilization, you really want to become like them, and that's not always a good thing. That could be a very harmful and a bad thing for you. That's number one, inferiority complex. Number two is following a public figure. A public figure, like I said, could be a very, very dangerous figure, like Amr ibn al-Hayy, that guy who literally changed the monotheism into paganism. The spread of ignorance. The more people are ignorant, the more they can follow into the trap of a charming leader who everybody loves, who could lead them straight into falsehood. Falsehood. So, if you have the knowledge, you can defy that leader. If you had the knowledge, you can defy that leader. You can defy anyone, basically, who, um, you know, doesn't tell you something that you know for sure that it's not true. And at the time... Arabs didn't even have a unified creed or theology. It was like a mess all over the world. It's like many versions of their religion, you know? Like, you can ask 10 of them, who is your God? And you'll get 10 different answers. you get 10 different answers. Nobody knows. Well, I'm worshiping Hobel. I'm worshiping al I'm worshiping Al-Uzza. These are all names of, you know, certain different, uh, different idols, uh, different gods. You know? Everyone was allowed to believe in their own God of choice, <laughs> you know? And each one had their own features, but you know, like one could do bring down the rain, one could do this, one could do. It was like old shenanigans, and a, you know, like a mythical stories at this point. You know, some believed in the Day of Judgment, some didn't. You know, but they all agreed on that. Basically, uh, if we worship uh, uh, these idols, they will get us close to Allah. That's basically what they believed in. Now, was everyone in in, in the society a pagan? Actually, no. Not everyone believed in this. Of course, you know, very, very tiny bit, very few. Actually, four in specific who are famous. Of course, there was more. But like there was like this famous four people. Four I don't want to say friends. They became friends because of that, who got stuck, who stuck together because of this. So four people from Mecca made basically a covenant to stick together upon monotheism they said that this this new thing doesn't make any sense so they were like we're gonna stick with the religion of Abraham and Ishmael Ismail right and you know we're gonna stand against paganism still in secret they could not announce uh, they couldn't announce their um, opposition because they would be prosecuted on top of him number 1 is a very famous name and we'll we'll talk about him inshallah when we talk about the revelation probably next uh, next episode warqa ibn nawfal that's his name warqa ibn nawfal warqa let's call him warqa for those of you who, you know find it really difficult to pronounce let's call number 1 by the name of warqa warqa is actually Khadija's older cousin Khadija is the first wife of the Prophet the one who you know he he married before he became a Muslim, and she was with him throughout Islam until she passed away. That's her older cousin. Warqa was the first one to be like, "That doesn't make sense." The second one is Ubaid Ubaidullah ibn Jash, or let's call him Ubaid. And Ubaid, so the first one is Warqa. The second one, his name is Ubaid. Ubaid is basically the Prophet's older cousin. The Prophet's older cousin, Prophet Muhammad older cousin. The third person we have is uh, Uthman ibn al-Huwayrith. That's the, the, the third person, so let's call him Uthman. And the fourth person called Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufayl. And uh, basically, so, okay, let's now, um, you know, summarize for him. Waraka, that's number one, that's his name. Ubaid, that's number two. Othman, number three, and Zaid is number four. So we have four people from Mecca who basically uh, 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 did not buy this whole uh, idol worshipping uh, gig. They they, they just didn't buy it. They didn't, you know, it, it just didn't make sense to them. How did it happen? How did they meet? So basically Quraish Quraysh is and, and 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 I hope you guys know by this, Quraysh is basically the, the the town, uh the name of the town where the Prophet, you know, uh came the Prophet came from. That's the name of the the people of the Prophet Sallallahu And those are the main people who basically attacked him because they didn't believe in his message. So Quraish is a very, very um uh, known well-known name in the biography of the prophet because basically Quraysh is his own people and t- town basically so quraish the, the whole quraish uh, who lived basically in mecca they invited the entire city of mecca to a festival and that festival basically was to celebrate you know the idols and and whatnot and and that festival took place outside of mecca so that that festival Took place outside of Mecca. So again, the, the leaders of Quraysh made a big festival. They invited people for uh, everybody from Mecca. They invited them to that festival. That festival basically took place outside of the city of Mecca, and everybody basically was to go celebrate with their own <laughs> with their own idol, basically, right? And uh, everybody went except for four people, and those were or these were the four people who did not show up they just did not again they didn't they were not convinced they they, they knew something was wrong that, that 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 was definitely not the right way uh to worship allah so four of them left and again they didn't know one another maybe they did uh, they, they just they didn't create there was no bond between them before this point but then when you know imagine when it's only probably four people left in a whole city of mecca so they, they basically saw one another. And, hey, why are you here? Uh, why didn't you go? Oh Well, I don't know. It's just I'm not buying this, but what do you think? And again, the four of them talked. And the four of them basically uh, understood that they're all on the same page. They're all not going to you know follow this new ideology of worshipping idols. And then they basically became friends and they agreed upon... Uh, you know, looking for the remnants of the religion of Abraham. They were like, okay, we need to find the truth now. You know, we're we we can't just <laughs> we can't just you know uh, follow the herd, and we, we have to do something about it. We have to find that lost religion of, of of Abraham and 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 Ishmael. We need to figure out what's going on, right? So, uh, and they also uh, agreed to not accept. Paganism, uh, like the rest of people of Mecca. So, because everybody else in, in Mecca uh, they accepted paganism, and it just worked out. And it, Again, it was a lazy approach to worship Allah. Now, after the four of them agreed, okay, this is our covenant now, so what are we going to do? So they all agreed to split up and leave Mecca. So all four of them agreed to split up and leave Mecca, to look for huh, the remnants of the religion of Abraham. Now, what happened after they left Mecca? Now, let's talk about them briefly, one by one. Waraqah, the first one, you know, the cousin of Khadijah, the first wife of the Prophet, remember? He embraced Christianity. So he looked for Christianity, and he's like, okay, this is the religion that makes sense now, you know? So... He embraced Christianity and then later on, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but like Waraka later on, uh, 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 he basically, he becomes one of those respected people, uh, yet he's not on the same page with them. So basically he's not on the same page with with the rest of, you know, Mecca or the rest of people of Mecca. Uh, but again, he had his prestige and he has it. He was really well known among the people. And he uh, embraced Christianity. So remember that name because we'll get back to that name in the next episode. I promise you that. So Waraka embraced Christianity. Now he lives as a, a practicing Christian, right? Ubaid embraced also Christianity right? Ubaid also embraced Christianity, and Uthman embraced Christianity and remained Christian until he died. Uh, some people say he never heard of the Prophet Now, we're talking about Warqa, the first two people, Warqa and Ubaid, they later on become become Muslims with a twist, and a, 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 again, I don't want to jump the gun, I want it to happen chronologically, uh, but Warqa embraces uh, Islam for a very short time, and he dies right after. Uh, Ubaid is the same thing. Actually, Waraka is considered to be the first one who becomes a Muslim, of course, after the Prophet, sallallahu um, alaihi and, and again, I'll explain to you exactly the, the, the situation. How did it happen? How did he meet the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi inshallah, next episode? And uh, Ubaid, on the other hand, he embraced Christianity. Then he accepted Islam. Uh, and then, uh, when you know, when our Prophet started uh, preaching Islam Then he migrated with his wife, Um Salama, to Abyssinia Then when he went to Abyssinia Abyssinia was known to be a largely Christian country, right? So when he went to Abyssinia, uh, he actually went back to Christianity Even though his wife was a Muslim Umm Salama was, uh, that's the name of his wife She was uh, a Muslim And basically, when he became a non-Muslim, he became a Christian, she had to leave him. So as a Muslim woman, his wife left him. Then our Prophet ﷺ proposed to her after she came back to uh, Mecca and uh, Arthik and Medina. And then they got married. And uh, basically, she became one of uh, the mothers of the believers. That's what we call the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, the mothers of the believers. So Umm Salama comes... Was married to that guy Ubaid, who be- later on she became uh, one of the wives of the Prophet. Uh, we have the third one, we, we said Uthman. Uthman, he embraced Christianity and he remained a Christian until he died. Scholars say that he probably never heard of the Prophet because he lived way far from Mecca. And we have the final one, the last one, Zaid. Zaid. He did not accept Christianity nor Judaism because he was not impressed with with either of them. Because they simply did not follow the the religion of Abraham. You understand? Now, Christianity, we talked about that. The Pauline Pauline Christianity was some sort of paganism, right? Introduced the the Trinity and and, and worshipping other entities uh, than Allah. And Judaism was the same thing. Now we're talking about the the, 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 the later on Judaism, not the actual one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent, right? So he didn't find what he was looking for. He was looking for the religion of Abraham. Everybody else settled for Christianity. He didn't. He said no. So what he did instead, he stood against the Quraysh and he started rebuking them for worshipping idols and killing their own daughters. This is one thing. Again, another thing about the status Of the Arab Peninsula before Islam, they used to bury their daughters alive. They used to do Idu al Banat, or like they used to do what? What meaning burying alive? They used to bury their daughters alive from shame and whatnot. And Islam came to abolish this, and that's why. And if you go back to my episode of Does Islam uh, Oppress Women, we talk about how Islam. Elevated the status of women in certain parts of the world, even in the West, by the way, back in the day in in Rome, elevated the status of women, gave them rights, gave them everything. Islam is the religion that truly treats women as human beings, not objects. And, and, and we talked about this. Please, if you if you have any questions, go back to my episode talking about women, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about with the proof that I provided. Now, what Zaid used to do, because the Quraysh used to bury their, their women uh, alive, so what he did is he basically used to take these women, take these daughters, and he would raise them as his daughters to prevent them from being killed. And unfortunately, he died five years before Islam. So before the Prophet ﷺ became a Muslim, he died five years before. His son, his son, Saeed ibn Zayd, his son, his name is Saeed. So Saeed asked the Prophet ﷺ, and he said, O Prophet of Allah, what is the fate of my father? My father never worshipped idols. He never, you know, jumped on a bandwagon. He was always against them. He did this and he did that. And he he died before you preached Islam. So what happens? And that shows you, and that answers, the answer that the Prophet ﷺ gave him, gave Saeed, his son, shows you exactly what Islam is all about. What did the Prophet ﷺ told him? Your father will be resurrected as a one-man nation. Now let's pause here. What does that mean? What does it mean to be resurrected as a one-man nation? Now, on the Day of Judgment, every person will be resurrected based on those who were sent to them. Muslims will be resurrected following the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. So this is a Muslim nation now. We are, mashallah, billions and billions of people if you you know accumulate the years and years uh, that have passed and the years to come. So we're billions of people, nation. Same thing for Christians. Jesus Christ, they will be following him. The prophet, not the divine entity that they believe to be. Um, Moses, followed by Jews, you know, the Jewish people. Uh, Abraham, followed by the people who followed Abraham, and so, so forth. Now, this man had no prophet to preach to him. Again, we said that the religion was lost between generations. So what happened to him, he is resurrected as his own nation. Look at the status of this guy. Because he refused to worship idols. He refused to do something, to worship someone rather than Allah. He refused to be anything than a monotheist. He will be resurrected as a one-man nation. He will be his own nation. His own religion, basically. Not his own religion, but his own group of people. He's not following anybody. Because he rejected paganism and he was searching for the true religion of Allah but he couldn't find it before he died. So he will be his own nation without a prophet and he will enter paradise following no prophet. Because as we know, everybody who followed a certain prophet, you know, in in a true fashion, will enter paradise following them. We'll actually be like a line, a group following our prophet. Every person who died, Christians who died before Islam upon the true Christianity, will follow Jesus Christ to paradise. Jews who followed Moses before Jesus Christ showed up will enter paradise following Moses. Same thing for the Muslims who will follow Prophet Muhammad to paradise, those who were meant to go to paradise, you know, the actual true believers. This man will follow no one, he will be his own person walking into paradise. Look at the status. And it shows you the importance of looking for the truth, even though if the mainstream is uh, opposing that truth. So that was basically again a summary of the status uh, of of the world uh, religiously and 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 you know culturally in in, in a way before uh, Islam, before uh, uh, the message of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, next episode, inshallah, we will talk about uh, the actual events of the revelation. How did Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi become a prophet? He was a normal man before then. Uh, how did he become a prophet? How did it happen? How, what was the interaction between him and Gabriel, the the, the angel Gabriel? Uh, we'll talk about that, inshallah, in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I hope that, you know, we all learned something uh, new today. Uh, thank you so much again. And wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.